What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Detroit podcast, the POD cast, as we call it, because brother, that stands for Pride of Detroit podcast. My name is Macho Man Randy Savage. You have tuned in to Lions Talk. We're going to talk, coach, and you better believe we're going to talk at that. Oh, yeah, brother. So, welcome to the show. It's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. Ryan, I feel like I should just record that and just do that every time. He's I, I don't think he, he's already taking off the costume because he it, it, he literally can't stand it. He was complaining the entire time, but he how wants you. I think that's how we start every show now. I, I really do. The, there's no going off. back. There's no there's going no, back. The Rubicon has been crossed. Once you snap, est. once you snap a Slim Jim, you cannot unsnap it. Oh, you it better is. believe I'm going to snap into this one right here. Oh, brother. my God. He's got a Slim Jim, too. He's got props. Wow. Mm. That probably tastes horrible. Medium. That that tastes no. like gasoline. Absolutely not. Wow. Uh, welcome to the Pride Ooh, of Detroit yeah. POD cast. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, and uh, that's Macho Man Randy Savage, aka Jeremy Reisman, aka you better believe it. Slim Jim. Actually, that's it. No longer fearless leader. Jeremy is now Slim Jim. No fear in me, brother. I'm doing a little. I'm, I'm mixing this in with a little Hulk Hogan. I'm sorry. They're all the same. I hate to say it. I hate to trample on someone's childhood. They're all the same. Ryan Matthews is also here. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. Ryan is barely holding it together. I'm useless right now. I'm absolutely useless. You're adequate. Bra- Bravo to Jeremy for doing this 110%. Should I, should I keep going? <laughs> I, I would prefer I would prefer not to. Should should we also explain to the people on the podcast who are very confused right now? Okay, real quick, because I feel like we need to we need to get to what people have come here for, which is coach news, coach news, coach news, coach news and Ed Dodds and some others. And we're also going to laugh at the Bears in a little bit, too. But Jeremy, please, like you, you were. So from what I understand, our Movember thing just carried on for months and months. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, this I think it started in November, but then we we decided to throw a New Year's Eve bash um, karaoke style per usual. And I just kind of threw it together and I said, hey, if we can raise a thousand dollars on New Year's Eve alone, uh, I will do a cosplay of your choosing. And people were able to use their donations to vote between this, which is Macho Man Randy Savage. So if you're listening on the podcast, you might want to go into uh, YouTube or Twitch and, and see a replay of this just to see what I look like. Um, it was this Austin Powers, Ron Burgundy, or Hulk Hogan, 
and everyone shows this one. We, we actually raised four thousand dollars, so I had to, I had to, I had to commit, and so yeah, I commit. committed as much as I can. And Zazu is also going crazy because he doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, yeah, he sees, he sees like the uh, what, what are those things, the bangles, and he's just he sees those as a toy. Yes. Uh, I'm and glad you did this and not Austin Powers, though. I'm just going to say that that would have gotten I uncomfortable. Very glad <laughs> we would have gotten banned off Twitch. He's probably highly motivated with that Slim Jim. If you want to just break that into pieces and throw it, I'm sure that that'll keep him busy for. Yeah, yeah. He probably smells that. He smells that for sure. (laughs) Blood's in the water. All right. All right. Blood is in the water. Just like. You can't avoid the taste, brother. Blood is in the water. Just like the, uh, the NFL coaching carousel. Hey, see what I did there, Ryan? Beautiful. You are no longer adequate, my friend. Thank you. Well, I might be adequate considering all the people screaming at me. So real quick before I, I we're going to I want. So let's lead off. We're going to talk Sala and Bevel in a second. But I think I want to start by reacting a little bit to what I've seen from fans when the name Marvin Lewis has come out and how everyone seems to be in a tizzy about between Lewis and Sala and whether or not whose interview has gone well and who hasn't. And uh, let, let's just let's just say this, Jeremy, people are riled up. People are uh, gassed up. We dropped a podcast over the weekend with Joe Goodbury from the Athletic Cincinnati. Um, funny enough, while I was at work, I've talked with two Cincinnati uh, guys, TJ Hushmanzada and Andy Furman, who does like Cincinnati Inquirer and a bunch of other stuff. And Andy, of course, has told me that he wrote a letter to Sheila Fordham begging them to hire Marvin Lewis, which uh yeah that might just be a random radio guy but andy has like crazy good connections it's weird uh but either way the lewis news dividing fans all across the board because i think while some people see a coach who brought cincinnati to relevance a lot of people just see oh and seven in the playoffs and decide that that's not good enough and i get it i think you know we've had a whole circle of just Really cool, sexy new offensive coordinators, and out comes Marvin Lewis. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I get the inclination to just hear that name and have a natural negative reaction because I mean, yeah, the the one seven stuff was bad, and I feel like people in Cincy were calling for his job for five or six years by the time it actually happened. Um, but yeah, once you get to a plateau, fans get antsy and want the right, next thing. Right. And I mean, that's where we were with Jim Caldwell. And I think that's that's a natural connection people are making, whether it's fair or not, is this is another Jim Caldwell hire. And I, I I'm I'm kind of with them at least a little bit. It's certainly not an exciting hire. And and to be clear, like they don't have to hire someone exciting that they have to just hire the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, but but at the same time, like. I don't know if I want a guy that was, you know, at his peak 15 years ago. I want a guy that maybe is hitting his peak now or, you know, maybe a little more in tune in today's NFL. The way I view it is it's like it's like a B hire. I think he's a he's a solid coach. I think he's better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. I think he's a guy that could probably bring this team to, you know, playoff every other year, maybe even get a streak of four or five years in the playoffs. And and yeah, everyone right now would take that. But at the same time, like I don't want a, a step to the, to the next good coach. I want the next good coach. I don't want stabilization before we go out and get the next guy. Cause guess what happened? That's what we did with Jim Caldwell. We, we stabilized as a solid franchise that, that was starting to get respect. And then we're like, okay, let's go get the next guy. That doesn't necessarily work. Just go out and get the next guy. Ryan, your thoughts, you weren't on the podcast. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on Marvin Lewis. I'm a lot warmer on Marvin Lewis. And I think the average, the average fan, um, and 
you know, you've already kind of laid out the the reasons as to why so many fans are wary of of Marvin Lewis as a hire. But um, I'm pretty much with Jeremy in terms of if I were to grade a Marvin Lewis hire, I think it would be in that B range. But and, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to hear both of your guys' takes on this. I think what would be more important in a Marvin Lewis hire is who he decides to bring with him to Detroit to be an offensive coordinator, to be a defensive coordinator, because I think what's most important, and Jeremy alluded to this, and I, I want to fully flesh it out from my understanding and, and from my perspective, but Marvin Lewis might be the right guy to lead the, to lead the Lions into the next um, chapter of their organization's kind of rebuild. But at the same time, I think that what is most important is getting the right kind of guys so that you don't have a guy who necessarily peaked 15 years ago. Because I think what what will really prop him up is the right offensive coordinator, the right defensive coordinator, and again, a franchise quarterback. That's something that Marvin Lewis had for a a brief moment in Cincinnati. He had Carson Palmer, and then his ACL was obliterated and then he was just stuck in mediocrity. I think you look around the league and you see that with tons of teams. So, um, which I, I guess let, let me get, let me get both of your guys' takes on, on that with Marvin Lewis and, and getting the right hires in terms of a staff that he builds. Yeah. It, well, first off, I want to respond real quick to the quarterback thing. Cause at first I'm going to be honest, as soon as you said franchise quarterback, I didn't think Carlson Palmer. I thought Andy Dalton, but I think that speaks more to no, hold up. Yeah. Andy Dalton's Andy Dalton now, but he, they got a lot out of him in Cincinnati with, with the right did. offensive court. Like, and I think that's that's fair. Um, one of the notes I have about his offensive coordinators is that like they were awesome in Cincinnati. Like, God, go back and watch that 2015 team, Cincinnati Bengals team. That was a massively effective, I think, second overall in DV, offensive DVOA that year, but massively effective high-flying offense that they had. It wasn't just A.J. Green. They had a lot of weapons. They had a lot of options in the system. Worked. And they made it work with, again, Andy Dalton. <laughs> um, however, those offensive coordinators never really went anywhere else and succeeded. Like Now, granted, a lot of them also went to really bad places. Jay Gruden went to Washington. Hugh Jackson went to Cleveland. And we saw how that worked out. Bill Lazor has never really matriculated into much of anything in any of these places he's gone to. But when they are in Cincinnati, they, damn, they make it work. So right. I don't know. I don't I don't know if the fact that his offensive coordinators can't go away from him and not and succeed and fail to succeed. If that says something good or bad about Marvin Lewis, it's kind of like watching Belichick disciples leave the nest and immediately crash face first into the ground. So but I, but I, I yeah, go on. Jeremy. I, was just gonna say, I think it's important that we bring up the conversation we had with Joe Goodbray. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it, because he said that was the one thing Marvin Lewis was really, really good at was building a staff. They never mm -hmm. had to worry about them fumbling that. And you mentioned it. Jay Gruden was really good there. Hugh Jackson was there. Mike Zimmer on the defensive Mike side. Mike Zimmer, yeah, yeah. Mike Zimmer, he he brought him into this league essentially. And so I, I think if 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 your main concern um, with the head coaching hire is who they will bring in, I think Mike Marvin Lewis might be one of the best candidates you could bring in. I want to tie this up at some point, so I'll let Ryan get through it again. Just I hope this is uh, answering his question. I just think that, you know, back to Jeremy's point, I don't see the ceiling on Lewis as low as some other people. Like, he was unlucky in the playoffs. But guess what? You get to the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. 0-7, that's a lot of dice rolling against you. I get it, but... 
Like, man, I, I, I just look at like, if you're worried about the playoffs, the first thing you should do is be winning enough to get to the playoffs and the lions aren't doing that consecutively enough. So I, I'd, I'd rather get the guy who can win. And like, I don't know. I, I spoke with at least one former Bengal um, off to the side here in Los Angeles, and they cannot speak highly enough of Marvin Lewis. And I get it. There was problems in that locker room. There was problems dealing with their rivals in the AFC North, which is a bloody, bloody rival division. Probably the worst one out there just because you have you had three longstanding coaching staffs that imbued their guys with that rivalry between the Ravens with Harbaugh, the Saint, uh, the 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 Steelers and 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 the Bengals. They were just all stuck around like that's how you build rivalries. Guys have to stick around for a long time and rosters are very much more free agency oriented now. So I, I don't know. I I I understand my concern, of course, is probably the same as yours, is that Marvin Lewis is probably maybe some of his schemes might be stuck in the past. I don't know, but I'm I'm more favorable of it than anything. Again, if you want a guy who can probably lead the team, that's cool. Um, Ryan, I'll, I'll let you close up here and then we should probably move on to Sala and Bevel because I know fans are really interested in that. Yeah, the, the one last thing that I think I'll I'll leave off with is if the Lions are going to overcorrect or sorry, if the Lions are going to overcorrect in any way, I think that an overcorrection to Marvin Lewis would be the best overcorrection to a fault that they could make. I mean, that that's the that's the hire that gets you the furthest away from Matt Patricia, but I think in the best way possible. And um, it, it's going to take a while to to mend those fences and to rebuild those relationships with players. Um, and I think Marvin Lewis goes a long way towards rebuilding that. I'm with Jeremy that in the same sense though, that you want to get the, you want to get the guy. You don't want to have to spend mm-hmm. that time bridging the gap between, all right, let's get back to a level of respectability and then we'll find another guy who will take us to the next level. I don't know. I, 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 I'm there, but at the same time, I, I think that the league moves at such a frenetic pace and it is so unforgiving that it'll it'll take the next it'll take the next hot guy, which Matt Patricia was. It'll chew him up and it'll spit him right out and it'll show you that you just ate a Slim Jim, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing I noticed when talking with a lot of people is like they they see Lewis's records like I don't want a loser. Well, I mean, I don't want a guy who hasn't won the playoffs. Well, all these new guys, all these offensive coordinators, they haven't won yet in the playoffs either. Like and I know people are really high up on the next cool big thing. But bear in mind, the next cool big thing might be Sean McVay or it might be Adam Gase or it might be Jake Rudin or it might be Hugh Jackson or it might be Matt Patricia. Like your 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 role, it's it's the fan. I'll do the Family Guy thing because I know Jeremy likes that. It's like it could be a the, in the mystery box. It could be an, a boat. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, brother. That show is trash. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's move on. I I do want to talk about Sala and Bevel, and there is a thread tying it together with the news. And I think we should start on Ed Dodds before we get into that news on Sala. Um, Let's let's just let's just let's just rip the band aid off on Ed Dodds because I know he's like the big news of the day, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Dave Burkett dropped, uh, I think, a bomb that he is going to interview with the Lions tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday. So he's interviewing on Tuesday with the team. 
um, current assistant general manager of the Colts. As you are listening to it, you will, uh, listening to this pod, he will be interviewing. Yes, exact same time as you're listening right now, guaranteed. Doesn't matter when you're listening to it, he's interviewing at that time. This is Schrodinger's podcast. (laughs) But uh, he's a guy that a lot of people had on their top candidate list due to the fact that the Colts have really built themselves an impressive franchise. I know they they don't have a lot in terms of postseason wins at this point, especially after losing this weekend, but... Um, a lot of people respect the staff that they've brought in there. A lot of people think that they've been drafting extremely well. And then you go back to his days in Seattle where he rose up the ranks pretty quickly there in 10 years from, you know, he started on the pro personnel side, went to the college personnel side, eventually became one of the higher ups there in that impressive Seahawks uh, front office. So he's a high riser. And um, I think one that, that has a real chance at the job. And I think maybe some of the more interesting things about, the news is that this is a guy who's very picky. He's been at the top of general manager list for years. He was in competition for the Browns job last year and he backed out. He was in competition for what was the Jaguars job or uh, I can't remember. He backed out of one already this year. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so it's, it's interesting that he chose to accept an interview from the lions and which I think this will help bridge the discussion. If you want to already get into it, the dude already has ties to Robert Sala. Dude already has ties to, to Daryl Bevel, two guys who I think we can all kind of consider at this point as front runners for the, the Lions head coach job. And the interesting thing about I think the most interesting thing about it is the fact that you go back to last year when he turned down that job with the Browns. Well, he turned it down as soon as they hired Kevin Stefanski as their head coach. You know who else was a, a, a top ki- candidate over there? Robert Sala. And mm-hmm. so there's a there's this view that those two are linked together. And so if Dodds is coming in, it's leading some to speculate that maybe Robert Sala is one of the top candidates or maybe Sala, you know, has a job. He's like, you got to interview Dodds. Like, I'm, I'm not coming unless you get Dodds or maybe it's vice versa or whatever. Um, but the fact that those two are have been linked in the past, he all of a sudden took this interview seems seems significant, to say the least. Yeah. And I think there's been mixed reports on Sala right now, which I don't want to like get too much into. Like, let's just put it out there. People are trying to drag us into the drama a little bit on this because one person, one beat reporter said the Sala interview did not go well uh, in Detroit. And another source. Yeah. Aaron Wilson, who has 20 years of of beat writing experience versus another source that I've heard some other people include. I think Dave Burkett actually put this out, too, is that the Sala interview went well. Okay, so like, yeah, who who do you believe there? And and like the problem is when you get conflicting reports with that, A, someone or both sides are probably have some sort of like agency to try to chum the waters a little bit. This is this is the it's like free agency period, right? This is the season of lies out there. And for fans, it's just then just a matter of, well, what do you want to believe, right? It's not who do you believe, it's what do you want to believe? And I don't know, man. I, I think Sala interview could go well, could go, could have gone bad. I don't know. And ultimately, I like dealing with facts rather than speculation. But I think the Ed, as you say, the Ed Dodd news is probably something that's like, I don't know how the Sala interview went, but if they're pursuing Ed Dodds, either A, that might have been something where during the interview, he's like, this is cool, but you you would have to get me Ed Dodds. Or B, they see that connection with Ed Dodds you talk about and are trying to use that to entice him to uh, make his final decision in Detroit with that. It's I, I hate to use the analogy, but when uh, Kawhi Leonard went to the Clippers and he's like, I want Paul George, kind of the same deal. 
Although, granted, we hope that ha- this would have better results than Paul George, Ryan. Yeah. Um, playoff P, RIP. Um, I think with this bit of news, I think what's most important, Chris, uh, to kind of put a bow on what you're saying is care less about what the conflicting reports are. I, I couldn't care less what Aaron Wilson reports versus what Dave Burkett reports, because obviously there's conflicting reports there. But uh, mm. let's connect the dots on our own. Uh, or should I say, let's connect the dots. dots. Oh, the yeah. dots. Mm. Oh, yeah. Pepe and, Silva here. And, and I think that there's teeth to that. I think that there's absolutely some sort of connection. Be, and I, I think what's most what's most revealing about this is what Jeremy mentioned at the top. Um, and it was actually the Panthers that Dodds. Uh, yeah, that Dodds decided to not interview for. Um, is that the Lions job for general managers a lot more attractive than I think the perception is around Twitter and around the league. Like, I think that a lot of people kind of poo-pooed on the Lions general manager position and even the head coach position to say that it isn't very attractive when, in fact, you have people like Ed Dodds, who has been extremely selective about who he chooses to interview for, interviewing for the job. And the Lions have pretty much interviewed everybody that they've want, wanted to interview. I have not heard of one inter, one potential candidate not interview for the job, which I think speaks volumes to two things. One, as I already mentioned, the attractiveness of the opportunity in the job. And two, uh, the the leadership in, in the Lions right now. And I think that they're doing the right thing and casting such a wide net and and interviewing every potential candidate that they could see as uh, as an improvement. And not even just Ed Dodds, but Jeremy, our conversation that we had with Arif Hassan, George Payton is a guy who's extremely picky and extremely selective yep. about who he interviews for, too. And Lions already interviewed him as well. So I, I had a leg am, up there, to be fair, though, with Chris Yeah, yeah I, I, I do want to measure up because you mentioned what are the most attractive there. And you look around there and it's like, I know some people say, oh, Texans might be interesting but no i i think with the rapidly souring uh <laughs> relation with deshaun watson and well, no first round draft pick that's that's bottom of the pile that, um, that's because they decided to get in bed with a g- general manager before consulting deshaun consulting watson. So, with him yeah, yeah after telling Which, him they would consult him yeah yeah um jacksonville i think they need to still figure out their general manager situation yeah, as well their owners meddling as well well, I think uh, I'll push back on meddling just because this might be the good meddling in that when um, uh, Tom Coughlin was there, he was judge, jury and executioner. And I think I think Khan just wants a little bit of a stopgap there. But still, it's an owner meddling. I get it. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, we'll talk about this, I think, on the other side, too, that the Eagles coaching job is open. I think the Panthers need a general manager Panthers are probably the one that could be interesting above the lions, but that depends on which way you see them going with Matt rule and no real quarterback besides Teddy Bridgewater and the Falcons. I'm sorry. They're in cap hell. Right. So I I do want to bring up one last point. I had does before we get out of here because I feel like we're probably pushing. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to put, I'm going to put Salah and Bevel on the other side of this. Plus uh, some, some fun for you guys, but yeah, the the Salah and Dodds thing. It's a little bit interesting to me because and and this is me a little bit playing devil's advocate be, because it feels like the Lions made it a priority this time to not go with package deals. We we heard them talk about it all the time. Like they just want to get the right people. They don't necessarily need to be connected. We know what happened last time they got a package deal with with Patricia and 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 
Bob Quinn and it didn't go well. And so they, they kind of, they've talked about like, you know, we'll hire a head coach first if we feel like that's our guy. And, and they talk about, yes, there needs to be communication, but it, it seems like everything that Rod Wood has said, everything Sheila Ford Hampus said is like, we just want someone who can work together with anybody. And mm-hmm. so if, if Robert Sala or Ed Dodds is pulling the strings for the other one, I, I don't know what I feel about that. That seems like maybe that's not going in the direction that they want. Like, they don't want a package de- deal necessarily. They want a, a GM who can work with any head coach or they want a head coach that can work with any GM. So I, I understand the importance of, of synchronicity there of, of getting people in line that think similarly that can, you know, that have a similar vision and all that is important. Sure. But it does seem to maybe potentially be going against what this team set out to do. And again, I want to be clear. Dodd Salah is as close to as a home run as I think they can personally hit, but it does seem like it runs against what they maybe the, the tenants of the search that they said from the outright. Right. We'll, we'll see what happens again. This is all a lot of damn speculation and it's a lot of court sure. intrigue that gets this time of year is exciting for a lot of people, but it's also just you, you can get led in a lot of wrong directions. Like again, someone's lying about the Robert Sala interview. Or maybe one side thought it went well, the other didn't. Right. But that just shows you there are multiple truths out there. And for the fan, you can mold whatever reality you want. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, uh, we're going to let uh, Jeremy get a chance to take off the the makeup and uh, finish the Slim Jim during the break here. And then we're on the other side, I want to talk about uh, Daryl Bevel. We're going to talk about a couple other notes from the week. And... We got to take some time to talk about what just happened in the playoffs from an NFC North schadenfreude situation. Just just two minutes. I want two minutes on this. I haven't had a chance to enjoy this yet. So uh, we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're talking Daryl Bevel and some more about the GM and coach search. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, or um, I'm sorry, Jeremy. The POD cast, we call it now, dude. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, so let's... <laughs> so we, we left off talking about Robert Sala, and we said that the tying thread to him was Ed Dodds, which the Lions interviewed this week. But they all but there's another tying thread to another coaching candidate for the Lions, and that is Daryl Bevel. And I think we've talked before in the past about Daryl Bevel, kind of as in passing, we said that, you know, he did a decent enough job. He's going to get a customary look. You do that to your interim head coach in general. But from what I'm leading to believe from what I've been reading and some of my own sources is that the Bevel interview is more than customary at this point. And in fact, he's actually generating interest from other teams as well. So uh, Jeremy, like 
I, I don't know. I feel like we, we've kind of passed over Bevel every time because as much as I thought he led this def- this this team well, I never thought I never held up his offense as highly as some other fans did. It was a decent offense, but I think you'd also do a lot better than Bevel. But I am curious because a lot of the news about it is, you know, I think earlier we talked about fans reacting to Marvin Lewis as, oh, this would be a hire you make on your way to another hire. Right. I don't know if I feel that about, about Lewis, but I definitely feel that about Bevel. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Let, uh, let's kind of just reset in case people don't know the latest news. So um, Dave Burkett has mostly been the source on this one, um, saying that mm-hmm. his interview actually went better than Salah's. He's really been kind of hammering at home for a week, over a week now, saying like he's a legitimate candidate here. Like the Lions really like him. The interview went really well. If you listen to Rod Wood's press conference last week, he started off before any question saying like, First off, I want to give kudos to the job that Daryl Bevel did. He did a heck of a job uniting the team. The team loves him. I was listening to Jamal Agnew speak today, and he was saying, like, things were so much... He, I mean, he was just very clear about, like, things were so much fun after he took over. And so I think this is the kind of... And the lines are looking for a leader first. We said it last podcast. Like, they're looking for a leader first and schematic second. And so Daryl Bevel kind of fits everything that they're looking for now that, the, you know, he's had a little interim head coach under him like he's got the experience now too and so it's not a perfect situation it's not a situation that's gonna get many people excited in Detroit my personal thoughts on it are meh I I do think there's something I I think his offensive game planning was better than maybe it looked because it was so hamstrung under Matt Patricia I mean we did see them air it out a lot more once he was gone Matthew Stafford became a completely different looking quarterback in the final five games of the season um it's a small sample size, and and so you, you probably can't draw too many conclusions from that, but you mix that in with how good Matthew Stafford looked last year under Darrell Bevel, and it's just like, well, maybe that could work. The question again, though, is like, what kind of staff is he bringing in? And that's, that's a crucial question that I don't know if I have a, a lot of answers to because he has spent most of his career... I mean, I, I, w- I was going to say he spent most of his career in one place. That's not necessarily true. You know, he's with Minnesota, he's with Seattle, he's with... Detroit and and so he's made some connections there but overall I just think I I don't know how confident I am in him bringing in a big interesting innovative staff as much as I would with Robert Sala necessarily because Sala you know he's working with the the Kyle Shanahan tree on offense he's got a, a kind of exciting defense over there in San Francisco I don't know schematically what Bevel brings to the table especially on defense that would get me excited so I understand why it's uh, a, an, an interview that the Lions might like a lot, but it's not something that I would get overly excited about, but I also wouldn't get, wouldn't really hate it either. Yeah. I just, I, I'm, I just wasn't that impressed by the offense this year. Like I just wasn't like, and I, I think there's big questions on, we talk about how much the run first approach was on Patricia versus Bevel at the end of the day. Like, you know, this this whole idea that we were going to see the offense unchained at the end of the year, I didn't see, you know, that much that really was like, okay, that's 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 cool. As you say though, they're looking at him as a leader first. Ryan, how would you kind of assess Bevel in either a leader or schematic or even just your own excitement if the Lions would go that way? Or do you even think this is kind of a serious, uh, serious approach for the Lions? I think if it comes down to two final candidates, say the Lions are looking at <clears throat> seriously, they're looking at Daryl Bevel and the other guy happens to be Marvin Lewis. If they go with Daryl Bevel, I'd I'd be I'd be kind of upset about that. 
I, I would rather have Marvin Lewis come here for a variety of reasons, but the one is what Jeremy talked about. And Marvin Lewis has, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. That guy was able to hire staffs, successful offensive coordinators underneath him, very well-respected guy. I get it. Daryl Bevel, I mean, come on. It, it was it was almost an easy job to come in after a guy like Matt Patricia and smooth things over. I mean, he wasn't Doug Peterson. He wasn't giving out ice cream after every <laughs> single film session. But, um, I mean, does Daryl Bevel deserve a chance somewhere eventually? Yeah, for sure. I think that with the limited amount of evidence that we got from the final five games of the season, maybe there's something to the idea that he was hamstrung underneath Matt Patricia. But I mean, if you're talking about getting a guy who, if your emphasis is, is on a guy with experience and a guy who can lead a football team and it comes down to Daryl Bevel or Marvin Lewis. I I, I want to go with Marvin Lewis. And I think if, if a third guy happens to be like Robert Salah, then I would I would almost want I would want you to roll the dice on on him instead of sticking with Daryl Bevel. I get that. And to be clear earlier too, um, you know, I think I think Daryl Bevel's in high demand for an offensive coordinator job. I don't think he'll lock up any head coaching interviews anywhere else. But if the Lions decide that that Bevel's not their guy, I think he probably finds a place um, pretty quickly on the offensive side of the ball. There's, I mean, there's what seven head coaching vacancies now. All of those guys are going to be looking for an offensive coordinator. I think Bevel's a, a, a well-respected guy around the league that that I think can still put together. And and honestly, like a, a team with a young quarterback, I feel like Bevel would be great for them, um, given his work. Uh, I I know a lot of people kind of view him as a as a run first guy, but that's not necessarily how I view him. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say quickly, too, is um, I think some people have brought up the idea of maybe Bevel staying in Detroit as an offensive coordinator. Like, let's say they go out and get Ed Dodds, who's got a Seattle background. They go get Robert Sala, who's got a Seattle background. Maybe they keep around Daryl Bevel. I would say it's possible, but unlikely. I feel like yeah, only only if the coach actually wants them on the staff. Like, right. let's not do this thing where apparently we were trying to keep over Jim Bob Cooter. Like. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess, yeah, the, there, there is overlap there. So there's a chance, you know, Salah w- would like that. But, you know, based on everything said, that, that we've heard, I mean, even if you go back to the, the podcast we had met with Matt Mayoko, he said, like, I think Michael Flores is his guy. He was, you know, he's at his wedding. Yeah. Um, Mike, Michael Flores would love an opportunity like that, I think, to, to be an offensive coordinator and to do it against Matt LaFleur twice a week as brother. Um, that would be pretty interesting, a pretty unique opportunity for him. So I, I would assume uh, Mike LaFleur is the guy, but I wouldn't completely rule out Daryl Bevel potentially sticking around as an offensive coordinator. But um, again, since he'll, he'll be in high demand, I would think uh, as, as an offensive coordinator, I would say it's unlikely. Let's get to I want to I want to kind of go rapid fire on a few more names here that have come up real quick. Just real like minute, minute and a half on this one, since I know this wasn't even on our list, but the, the Eagles just fired reverse course and fired Doug Peterson. Super Bowl winning coach. And yet I've never seen people lower on a Super Bowl winning coach before. But that's what you want, folks. You want a proven winner. He's right there on the market. How would you guys feel about Doug Peterson if he interviewed with Detroit? I think he deserves an interview. I do. Um, I think I think there's a lot of dysfunction in that Eagles organization right now. You listen to some of the rumors coming out there, like some of the the coaching hires and fires that they made was not necessarily coming from from him. 
some of the roster decisions not necessarily coming from him. Um, you know, I think I think there was a quote from Rappaport saying like Peterson kind of wanted out too because he was just sick of being told what to do. And so it seemed like that was a, an organization that maybe just wasn't a good fit rather than not not him not being a good coach. And obviously the Eagles haven't been what they were since the Super Bowl, but there's a lot of mitigating factors there. It's a pretty smart offensive mind. I wouldn't mind the Lions taking a look. Do, do I want him to be the guy? Not necessarily, but in general, I think he was a, a mostly well-liked guy. Obviously some, some things happen with the quarterback situation there. And again, it's, it's unclear if that was him or general manager or ownership telling him what to do there. But I think, I think he got a raw deal in Philly. And so I, I would not be, not, at all be concerned if they at least got an interview, although it does seem like the lines are probably wrapping up things in terms of their candidates. He shined up the turd that was Carson Wentz, and then he won a Super Bowl <laughs> with Nick Foles. Yeah, I think that the says guy, a lot right there. The guy deserves at least an interview, and I, I would even say like strong consideration. Yeah, I think he's not going to be long. Like if he doesn't get a job this year, he won't be long from getting another head coaching job. Like I think at some point people realize just how bad the Eagles are right now in their dysfunction. And like we even saw rumors about how bad it was with Carson Wentz even before this year, like about just kind of what a locker room problem he was. And people just dismissed that. And I think, you know. Yeah. I think the hot rumor right now is Peterson to potentially the Jets because of some connections that Ooh. he has with their front office. So, I mean, the, the Jets could do a lot worse than Doug Peterson. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a former Jets coach then, uh, since I have him on the list here and we'll just punch right through this one. Uh, Todd Bowles interviewed and has been interviewing with various places. Your guys thoughts real quick. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see it. Um, <laughs> he, he got one go around and sure it was the Jets and the, every everything that happens in, in that franchise comes with a big old asterisk. But hard for me to overlook that. Um, I don't I don't see I don't necessarily see how he's earned a second shot quite yet. Good defensive mind and great defensive coordinator. But I think that's as high as he should go. I don't have an opinion on Todd Bowles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know he's doing good things again with with Tampa Bay with their defense, but I mean, Tampa Bay was a loaded team. Yeah. But even their and, defense has been like up and down, up and down. Yeah, all it's, it's long. been a, it's been a little spastic. Well, that's kind of my t- big worry for them going into the, these playoffs. Heineke into that game, right? <laughs> Taylor Heineke. <laughs> they made him. My, he he may he may get the. Uh, the Aaron Aaron Flynn what's his name Matt Flynn Matt Flynn I was gonna say I even said that on Twitter (laughs) I I was gonna say that on Twitter I don't know what because everyone was immediately doing comps on Taylor Heineke and like oh he makes he reminds me of this quarterback I'm like he reminds me of Matt Flynn and that he's about to get broke off right (laughs) by the way uh Matt uh Taylor Heineke very quickly milkshake ducked as well if uh you you keep your eyes open to Twitter but let's leave that part aside. Um, next name I have here is uh, God. I can't believe we've gotten this far into the podcast without talking about him. Uh, the Arthur Smith interview is apparently back on Jeremy. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, there were early reports saying it might have fallen through. He's got interviews with everybody. I think he inter- he literally interviewed hours after losing <laughs> in the playoffs on Sunday with I think the Jaguars, and he's basically got an interview set up with everyone else. Um, and so there was some belief that maybe he'd be a little more selective and, and not interview some places. And I think the Lions were on the list of, of potential dropouts there. But it's back on. Um, I don't know. I've been up and down on Arthur Smith all all season. I, I kind of feel the way um, Ryan does. Like sometimes that offense looks really good. Sometimes it doesn't. 
Sometimes there are a lot of people that like to reduce his accomplishments and say it's basically all Derrick Henry. And in some weeks, I'm like, no, that's being too reductive. Like, look at the season Ryan pa- Fitzpatrick is having, and, and look at some of the things they're doing with some of the receivers out there. And but then they go and kind of they, they go out to a ten nothing lead on Sunday, and, and then score three points the rest of the way. And so it's just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty lukewarm on him. I don't I don't know. I, obviously, everyone else in the league isn't if he's getting all these interviews. So then the question becomes why would he pick the lions? And I'm not sure I have a good answer because I do think yeah. there are better head coaching jobs out there. Yeah. I, I, I know you said Fitzpatrick, but you meant Ryan Tannehill. Um, I do. I get those mixed up all the time. I'm sorry. It's fine. They're Jeez, both, he's, he's they're having, both, he's having my disease right now. They're both Ryan's and yeah. uh, you know what? That's just kind of the curse of the name. But I, I think that there is something to, to say if you turn Ryan Tannehill into maybe one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Because, I mean, like, look at his statistics. I mean, the guy is doing a lot. And he has a ton of weapons around him. I mean, there's a reason why he's one of the best quarterbacks in play action. He has Derrick Henry, right? right. They, ha- they have yeah. an incredible offensive line. They have A.J. Brown. They have Corey Davis. Um, but with that being said, you still have to go out and, and be one of the best offenses of, in the league. And I think Arthur Smith, th- that was a really that was a really entertaining game. That might've been the most entertaining game of the, of the entire playoff weekend was, was Baltimore and Tennessee um, for a variety of reasons, uh, especially because of the quarterback that came out on top. But um, I'm, I'm not so big on Arthur Smith. I I think that it might be too quick, too soon. Um, I would almost kind of put him in the same category as Joe Brady. You were really high on Brady earlier in the season. You weren't, I was not, no, that's fair. I was not. So I think I kind of lumped them in like the too much too soon category. Yeah. Yeah. Brady's like only 30 and has very little NFL connections. Like I, I wouldn't trust that as a hire, just kind of the same way with Arthur Smith Uh, real quick. So uh, we, uh, to the chagrin of a lot of people, I think Ryan here, Matt Campbell has announced he is staying at Iowa state. Um, Good for him. He's got a good thing. He's got a good thing. He's got a good thing. He's got yeah, a good I, thing. I think he falls into the same category as the two guys we just mentioned. Kind of young, mm-hmm. maybe doesn't have it yet. And and honestly, like maybe the lines were interested or not. I, I've heard some rumors that that, that they were, but um, nothing I've ever substantiated there. I, I mean, he could have potentially interviewed behind the scenes. We'll, we'll probably never know. Um, but the one thing to, to note on him is that like this team wants someone who's got at least a legitimate amount of experience. And I don't know if if Matt Campbell was ever that guy. Yeah, uh, the one name I wanted to get to a little bit more here, uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I'm starting to see him. People are talking about him for an NFL jump, uh, jumping from Northwestern to the NFL. I don't know about you guys, but I don't see it uh, for a lot of reasons. One, like from everything I know about Pat Fitzgerald, he is an NU. He is an alum of NU of Northwestern, and everything I know about him is that. His ties to that place are very strong. May, he's probably doing his due diligence here, but I just don't see anything coming of it. I think he's going to stay at Northwestern. Um, I know I hate to do a prediction on a recorded podcast rather than something live on radio, but I just don't think that. Uh, and I mean, I'm not even sure what Pat Fitzgerald would would really bring you to the Detroit Lions if he was hired as an NFL coach. Um Northwestern has been decent, but I don't know what I don't know if I can say what Pat Fitzgerald's strength is. I don't really see him as a massive leader type that could lead an NFL locker room. I I, I kind of think the opposite. I feel like he's kind of well regarded as as very much a leader, and I, I, I he hasn't made Northwestern like a, a 
you know, a, a huge team in, in the Big Ten or National Sure, but, but that's also, it's also Northwestern. Yeah. Right. He, he's certainly <laughs> turned them around. He's certainly made them, added a certain level of respect. And and to be clear, I think it was Aaron Wilson who reported in the same breath, you know, about the Robert Sala not interviewing well interview, um, that he does believe the lines are, are connected to, to Pat Fitzgerald. Again, we don't know if an interview is taking place. They don't have to submit interview requests through the NFL for college coaches. So again, they're kind of shrouded in secrecy there. So um, we'll see. Um, it's an interesting guy. I, in general, I, I shy away from college guys just because I think it's, it's too much of a risk. And again, going back to the same point, Lions have said they, they want someone kind of established, um, at, at least at one of the positions, positions, whether it's GM or head coach. And so I'm not sure yeah, Pat Fitzgerald is that guy, but it's, it's an interesting option for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And especially a college guy who has no NFL uh, ties, Pat Fitzgerald has spent his entire career in the college ranks. He's not like a, right. a Matt rule who has at least some NFL experience under his belt. Um, Ryan, for, I mean, 14 yeah. years in one place is impressive. No matter. No, it's impressive. Are. It's absolutely yeah. impressive. But again, I think a lot of that is because he is the uh, homegrown son of yeah. Northwestern. True. Yeah. I, I think with the Pat Fitzgerald stuff, the reason why I would be wary of it is again, like you said, 15 seasons at Northwestern played linebacker for Northwestern. He's this like defensive minded head coach. And I know I don't I mean, whatever, offensive minded, defensive minded. It seems like the guys that get targeted for um, NFL jobs that are previous college coaches are the offensive minded guys. Like as soon as Doug Peter, I mean, almost before the ink was dry on Doug Peterson's firing, they're already like, yeah, the Lincoln Eagles Riley. are interested Lincoln Riley. They're interested <laughs> yep. in Lincoln Riley. And oh, God, um, so it seems that's the way things go. Yeah. I'm I'm not super super intrigued by Pat Fitzgerald. There's one name that we haven't talked about yet that we got to oh, talk about. Yeah, real quick before we go to the yeah, let's get one in. Which got every everybody's favorite like strength and conditioning coach Dan Campbell. True. <laughs> this is I, legitimate. Like the Lions no, are interviewing him. They're interviewing I, him I know. They I interviewed him today, actually Monday. Yeah. That is a wild and yet potentially exciting development if the NFL starts interviewing strength and conditioning coaches for for head coaching positions. If, if you don't know, if you're a little new to, to it or you don't know kind of the lexicon of of foot of like these kind of weirder parts of football, strength and conditioning coaches are basically psychopaths. <laughs> like they are they are the most giddy psychopaths you will find in your life. They just love life so much. These are the guys who are breaking bricks over their head to fire up teams in the college. If if they're a college strength and conditioning coach, they're doing crazy things to fire up their teams. They're they're letting people smack them to break baseball bats over their backsides or they're or they're lifting up like cars or stuff like I can't imagine what they are in the NFL. But strength and conditioning coaches, you want to talk about guys who can get guys fired up, who can lead men. It's it, it has a bold strategy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. It has the merit of never been done before, but there's something to it. I'm just saying this isn't just a throwaway out here. Strength and conditioning coaches are incredible people persons and they're also they've got more than a few screws loose in their head yeah and and let me be clear i i I said that in jest like dan campbell was never a strength and conditioning coach but the guy is absolutely yoked he's huge (laughs) oh okay Um, see i thought he had some background as a strength and conditioning coach when you said that no but i mean he is i mean this is the same guy who was the tight ends coach with the Miami Dolphins in 2011. And, and yeah, I remember. Yeah. He took was the over interim for coach. Joe, yeah. Took over for yeah, Joe Philbin. Philbin. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but he he radiated all that strength and dis- I remember now he radiated all that strength and conditioning coach energy. I just thought he obviously must have had a, a background there. Yeah. So I don't he know. Was interim I mean, co- he was interim head coach twice. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm reading his resume wrong. I seen coaching intern. What does uh, what does what? the name Dan Campbell, former Lions Dan Campbell do for you, Jeremy? little bit again i think he really fills that leadership role that we're talking about i mean chris is kind of right like he's kind of got that like meathead mentality that people really attract to like he's a guy that might actually run through a brick wall before games a literal brick wall literal brick wall i mean mortar with mortar not not loose brick with mortar if if chris spielman is in on these interviews he loves dan campbell (laughs) right i I didn't even think (laughs) about that that's a really good point um and and but he's also i mean he's got the title of assistant head coach in in new orleans for a reason right like because Mm -hmm. he's that leader um again it i think the biggest question is is what will he bring in in terms of staff Uh, the x's and o's are kind of unknown with a guy like that but again that's maybe not what they're necessarily looking for so if he can come in if he came in nailed the interview had some really good you know potential coordinators that he he listed for the lines that he thinks he can bring in i would say he's got a chance for the job um he's kind of a late arrival here in in terms of his interview but i i think i think he's not someone you should count out completely yeah the only knock i have on him is his resume just doesn't look as impressive as maybe some of these other guys are out there he's only again he's been an assistant head coach he's been interim but he has no coordinator role he's just been a position coach his entire life just for tight ends but uh and he only really has like what uh I guess I guess if he was like a tight ends coach in Miami in 11, he would have had like he's got close to nine years coaching experience. But again, none of them, that is as like a coordinator or a higher higher role aside from assistant head coach, which which is why those coordinator hires are going to be crucial, crucial. Yes, he might need some help there with that. But I mean, I could see it. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the first choice. I think if, if you if you're down to Dan Campbell, you've swung and miss on quite a few other guys we've talked about. But. I'm not opposed I, I think to that, trying it out. I think, I, I think that much would be clear. If the Lions end yeah. up hiring Dan Campbell, they really, <laughs> they missed, they missed on a lot of guys. <laughs> they're batting below the Mendoza line when they're like, you know what? I'm just going to go for Dan Campbell. Either that or Chris Spielman has way more pull than we ever, <laughs> we ever were led to believe. <laughs> that is very, that's, that's a terrifying possibility. Chris Spielman is the shadow, the shadow president. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a quick break here. I, I, I got a couple more notes to go through here. And I think I want to kind of like, you know, Lions fan corner, talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs that are happening right now, just from us as Lions fans watching some of it. And also probably start to dip our toes into what the future might hold for the draft. But I don't know if I will want to talk to him. I, I see Jeremy already kind of reacting poorly to that. So maybe not. I'm sorry. We're doing uh, we're doing production notes on the air. So we're, let's let's close it here. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. Uh, more on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Wrapping up with the Pride of Detroit POD cast here on Monday. You'll receiving this on a Tuesday and we're recording this here right before the national title game, which is going to happen here pretty soon between Ohio state and Alabama. But we just got done with a weekend of football, uh, not involving the lions, unfortunately, but I did want to, before we move away and, you know, think about lions stuff again, I, I do want to take a bit to unwind as if we haven't already with Jeremy in a macho man, Randy Savage costume. Uh, punching on Slim Jim's and Randy Savage into Jeremy Reisman's costume, brother. Okay, thank you. Cool. Uh, can we talk about the Bears? Sure, please, please. Can we talk about the Bears? Can we talk about the Nickelodeon broadcast too? <laughs> yes, let's 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 do let's do because uh, my entire weekend was filled with people uh, trying to reference Nickelodeon shows from their youth which kind of dated a lot of people, but a lot of references to salute your shorts, salute my shorts. A lot of, I, I saw they had the slime cannons. I, the I don't slime know cannons, much about Nick. The slime cannons were the best part simply because of the touchdown that happened at the end of the game from Trubisky to Jimmy Graham. <laughs> Jimmy Graham I, caught I, the ball and ran off the field and did not get slime cannoned. Uh, and then it led to Mitch Trubisky being the NVP. The end of VP, the Nickelodeon most valuable player, which is now also on his pro football reference page, which is amazing. Oh, it's so incredible. I, like, there was somebody I, who tweeted out like there's levels to this and it was Patrick Mahomes with the Super Bowl trophy. And was it Deshaun Watson with the national championship trophy and then Mitch Trubisky with the MVP? <laughs> So I have mixed I have a mixed emotions about this for, for various reasons. And I, I'm going to laugh about the Bears very soon. But one, I saw way too many adults tuning into the Nick broadcast, which leads me to believe once again, we're still all in arrested development. Yes, I expect it out of you, too. Please put your hands out. I expect it out of you, too. But uh, like I saw the ringer and PFF both tuned in for this thing. And it's like, all right, I, I know the algorithm is flipped for you guys, but. This is a little too much. I, I think there were more adults watching than kids at the end of the day, um, which brings us which brings us my next point is like if this is the, the, the NFL clearly is doing this game for on Nick for outreach to youth, because obviously probably the consequences of CTE and other sports and just in general schools cutting budgets, they're cutting football programs so like they're trying to do this as youth outreach to get some kids back in the game but um 
as I was talking about with um, my dear friend Rob Parker over the phone, uh, youth participation is going to drop to 10% in the next 12 years because they had to watch Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears try to play football. And they think that's that's what football is. Then I want no part. <laughs> my God. And he gets the MVP for it. Well, Come on. Like, we learned a quick lesson there that I think we all learned back in 2004-ish, which is don't ever put anything serious up for an online vote. Otherwise, yes. you're going to get in trouble. Like, I don't know how they're that far back on the memo there, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was probably the worst game of the weekend. There was and, no and maybe half of the guy giving... F-bomb dropped on Nickelodeon. Yeah, an F-bomb dropped, which, by the way, I'm available for hire to fix your technical issues there uh have a guy around for the dump button i know you kind of gave this to ian eagle's son for the uh broadcast but then for the guy uh handing out the uh nvp should we maybe know his name mick trabuski <laughs> i mean this was a disaster perfect. It, it wasn't it wasn't like i think i think most people that tuned in found it very entertaining and we also have to give mad props to nate burleson who i think could you have found a better person in that role that like one will give you actual cool football knowledge and will be able to kind of relate to young people and have a youthful energy that, that makes people excited to watch, even if they are young again, I'm with you. I think there was probably more adults watching than there were kids, but a couple of people tweeted at me and was like saying, Whoa, that slime can was the coolest thing ever. My kids were going nuts. And so okay. I, I think ultimately it was successful, even if it was maybe the worst game of the, the week they could have picked. Ryan, I, uh... <laughs> Real, real quick for you, because I really I, we've gotten 10 minutes, uh, five minutes. I haven't even laughed at the Bears yet. OK, we can laugh at the Bears after I can say what the worst part of the broadcast was. It was least do. It was undoubtedly young Sheldon explaining football rules. Yep. Yeah. If any yeah. of you if any of you were like me, too, like I couldn't find my remote. So strategically, Nickelodeon put an episode of young Sheldon on right afterwards. And it was a football episode. And I, just real quick, quick synopsis of the episode. I didn't His, even know Nick had young Sheldon. They do because I connection with CBS or, or Viacom or whatever. Yeah. But um, the the <laughs> the plot of the episode was that young Sheldon's dad is the football coach and young Sheldon. <laughs> Jeremy's going to agree with young Sheldon. Uh I already know what you're talking. I saw a clip. Jesus. You saw a clip of him. So he said that you shouldn't always punt on fourth down, that it's a silly thing to do. Really? And that was like the basis of the episode. And grandma, his grandma had a gambling problem. So she was trying to get the scoop from young Sheldon about, about the lines for the week. It, it was awful. It was was very much trying to relate to this podcast. It's got the gambling aspect. It's got the team never punt guy. I don't, I don't know what was in it for Chris. Uh, Chris's team never punt too, right? There was a lame I have, team, I, I have the hashtag. I have the hashtag team never punt. Well, young There's Sheldon what? hashtag team never punt. Well, young, was, young Sheldon apparently trying to get into the NFL young and early, which would make him a Lane Kiffin, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> and son of a coach. Oh, no. Um, no, I, I I'm just I, I don't know. It, it felt weird. This game was on three different places. I was watching more on prime just because I was listening to like Joy Taylor and uh, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah. They've been doing some great, uh, uh, the move, the sticks guys have been basically doing really good kind of scout film, uh, during some of these games where they get on prime. So those are cool. Uh, 
But I mean, <laughs> before this game, we were all talking. The Bears were uh, Bears people and national NFL people were talking about, oh, what a great job it is. Mitch Trubisky's really turned around, you know, and maybe they should extend him and, you know, keep him there. I, I hope they do. I, I really hope they do so we can have more playoff games like this fucking abomination. What are you watching? This team got crushed. Screw the Bears. This this you said this is the worst game of the weekend, but it brought me the most joy because I I'm coming to the realization I love watching the bear seeing the Bears get crushed. I have Bears friends. And yet and and they ask me all the time. It's like, I don't hate the Lions nearly as much as you hate the Bears. And I'm like, well, that's the problem right there. I really want to hate. And every year passes by Ryan where we own the Bears. I, I yearn for that. And I just want to see the Bears crushed into dust. And this is the one thing I will say as a fan and not as someone trying to be, you know, a neutral commentary. I, I want to see the Bears crushed. I am ready to make a bold proclamation and prediction. We will reclaim the hashtag this upcoming season. Two wins. <laughs> Two wins. <clears throat> a clean sweep of those dirty ass Bears. But um, here's here's like the good thing, though. Here's yeah. the good thing with the Bears making the playoffs. More Matt Nagy. Like, mm-hmm. that's cool. Probably, yeah. More psycho Matt. It, it it was a really weird, like, cyclical season for the Bears because they got off to that hot start and everyone's like, they're garbage. This is not going to last. They're going to collapse. They're going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ryan, but pretty much everyone else, too, really outside of Chicago. Then, then they the collapsed. happened. And then they came back and they they won, you know, they went on a, a fairly good streak there to end Against the season. Against really bad teams. I'm well, sorry, yeah. Texans, Vikings, Jacks. Right. And and most people, again, were like, this team's garbage. They're like, even if they make the playoffs, which they backed into because they got creamed by the Packers in week 17, everyone's like, they don't got a shot. They don't got a shot. And, and people were just like, I don't know, Mitch Trubisky's stats look better in the past month. And the, the offense, we're starting to run the ball. And it's just like, guys, relax. You're all seen this before. We all know your <laughs> offense sucks. I mean, just wait until you have to face even an okay. And the Saints have a good defense. I wouldn't call it okay. They have a good defense, but but not a great defense. There, there's at least no. I better defenses, and they. I, got I fully expect them to get spanked out of the building by by Tampa Bay next week. We'll see. Really? Yeah, I don't. I just don't trust Drew Brees, and I know. I know the Bucks have been very erratic with their own uh, play right now, but I, I, I think they're more put together than the saints. I think the, I think it's going to be, but probably I'm going to regret this on a recorded podcast, but I I've been, I've been here before that. I think I said the NFC championship is going to be Packers bucks. Well, Chris, if you were so upset about how the bear saints game was on a bunch of different telecasts, are you going to watch uh buck saints on one American news network? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to be shocked that it networks still on the air in a little bit, given what's been going on in this country. But um, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, that's that's fodder for for that. Oh, boy. Um, But but by the way, real quick, Sean Payton did get slimed. So I'll give him that. He's a man of his work. True. He he did get slimed and he got slimed in a pair of Jordans, which I thought was just foolish. But um, (laughs) the Jordans, the, the stuff with the Bears is is really interesting to me, because where do they go as a football team from here? I don't know, man. Like they've they've got contracts that are starting to bloat a little bit. And uh, I don't know what they're going to do with their defense. Their offense looks atrocious. Like we talked about it all years. Every time we previewed them, it's like 
okay, cool. It's you, you got if even if you trust Mitch Trubisky, who the hell is he throwing this ball to? Well, the problem is that the Bears are going to lose the best player on their offense, Allen Robinson, who mm-hmm. I saw somebody on Twitter was like, here is <laughs> Allen Robinson's career targets and which quarterbacks they came from. And holy shit, that guy has had some some ridiculously yeah. bad quarterbacks throw him the football over yeah. his career. So, I mean, I, I think for a team that's losing its best offensive weapon, don't know what they're doing at the quarterback position. Don't know what they're doing at running. Montgomery's become a factor for them. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's just a team that their offseason is going to really dictate whether or not they kind of tread water or they regress to maybe the bottom of the NFC North. And they're picking 20th in the draft, too. They're not getting a lot, a lot of help, I, yeah, even though they only went 8 They always do, and that, that's just get a mediocre to bad quarterback and, and hope their defense and special teams can carry them to the playoffs again. Yeah. Um, the other point from the playoffs from this weekend, and maybe this is kind of wish fulfillment, like, I don't know. We saw two long-suffering, playoff-suffering uh teams and the bills and the browns both advanced by the way the most insane game for the browns i left to get pizza when it was seven zero and i came back and they had put 28 on on the steelers like <laughs> insane man without kevin stavansky coaching them like that's the dream that's the dream right there if you're a lions fan and you watch that browns game it's like that's how you want to have your first playoff win in forever, right? Maybe, maybe though, because that game got tight in the third quarter. And, it, it got tight, but quarter, and you know, I, mean, I saw every single Lions fans out there going like, "This is the Lions." Like, I, mm-hmm. I would be crapping my pants right now if I was Lions. This would be the worst experience ever to the Lions because you're just so sure that they were going to go and, and lose that game. And I'm sure a lot of Browns fans felt that way too. I wasn't though because they were playing against Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, good riddance to that guy. Hopefully yeah, good ri- Four interceptions, man. And he could have had, there was a lot more tip balls. They could have been a lot worse. Hey, where do you think Ben Roethlisberger is going? Nowhere. Home. He's done. Uh, he's done. Like, he, he will retire? He's going to walk away from $41 million? Maybe. I, I uh, here's the thing is like. No, no, no. What? Ben Roethlisberger. Like, no, 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 no. Ben Roethlisberger no, 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 is no, no, not no, no, going no. to retire. He's not going to retire. You don't walk away from $41 million. And no, 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 you don't. If the you Steelers have but... to cut him, he's $22 million in dead cap. The Steelers sure. are screwed. Sure. But here's the thing is like, you can't draft a core. If you're the Steelers, you can't draft a and put him behind Roethlisberger to learn because we've seen what happened when he put Roethlisberger in the in the teaching veteran position, he gets surly, he mopes, he whines, he talks to someone about quitting, and when you start to play that other quarterback, he raises hell. Like, he's, he's, that, he's a cancer. Well, that was when they still thought that Ben Roethlisberger was something worthwhile to keep around, but like now sure. he doesn't really get a choice. And I mean, I think yeah. at, th- at this point, you... Like... If I'm Ben Roethlisberger, I'm not walking away from $41 million. There's no way. So I'm going to play football next year. And if the Steelers do draft a quarterback or they bring somebody else in, I'm going to be I'm going to be so happy just sitting on the bench, whatever. I mean, let, let him be a problem. You know, Mike Tomlin will deal with it. All right. I don't think he's dealt with it pretty well in the past, but, you know, it's as it is. Uh, Bills, though, I mean... Just I, I don't know. Talk about another butt clencher there, Jeremy. Um, 
watching the Colts get back in that game. Yeah, I guess that's what it's going to be for the Lions to make the playoffs. It's going to be, hey, this is really cool. But then, you know, if we get out to a lead, it's just going to be holding on to your guts the entire the entire time. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like the Bills are like almost the consensus darling of the playoffs right now. Right? Like they're fun to yeah. watch. They're a team that hasn't been there before. Everyone, I think every every neutral party is pulling for the Bills right now, and I 100 percent include myself in that because, what well, I mean, one like I don't like to be wrong a lot, but I was completely wrong about Josh Allen along with like 90 percent I think of the population. Yeah, the rest of draft Twitter, you need to own this error. Stop. Yeah. Stop telling on yourselves. Alan is good. You were wrong. It's okay to be wrong, but please stop weaving these lies to yourself. Please. I just, it's, it's an extremely fun team to watch. I think I'm going to be pulling for them the rest of the way. Um, That's, that's a rough one. Chiefs or bills. I mean, Chiefs won it last year. It's Bill's turn. Let's go. I I want Mahomes to keep growing. Great. What do you think, Ryan? You've been on the Mahomes wagon. Um, well, hold on. The Bills play the Ravens. Yeah, but I'm saying I, I think I think we're going to see Bills Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Oh, okay. So you're overlooking Lamar Jackson. That's yes. your first mistake. One hundred percent of the time, I will overlook Lamar Jackson this year. Yeah. So um, the most interesting thing that came out of that game, though, was the the initial spread on Ravens Bills opened up at I think three and a half. It's moved yeah. all the way down to one. Like that game is as close to a pick as I think is, is going to get. And um, to talk about the other interesting betting line from, from the weekend, I think, I think saints bears got all the way up to 10 and a half for this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was saints minus 10. I think. Yeah, it was, it was huge. Um, but no Baltimore Ravens versus Kansas city chiefs. That's what I want to see for an AFC championship. Come on. That'd be awesome. Mahomes versus Jackson. I would rather see that than, Mahomes versus Allen. Jackson will get laughed out of the building. Agreed. Oh, bollocks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, let us know. For Lions fans listening at home, let us know. I know some Lions fans just want to check out and go things, but uh, I mean, man, it's fun to watch the playoffs. And sometimes when you don't have a rooting interest in there, it's fun to just kick back and enjoy Schadenfreude like we had with the with the with the the Bears. I need to real quickly. Just yeah. tell everybody it's super unoriginal to respond to anything that I quote tweet with Lamar Jackson. And I say that he's QB one to respond to it and say he's RB one. Like that is the most reductive, <laughs> dumb take that anybody can ever have. And I don't understand why. I really don't understand why Lamar Jackson being a quarterback causes so many people to get so upset. Like calling Lamar Jackson a quarterback makes so many people so upset and this is uh this is a thing that i will this is a hill i will gladly die on i will take a thousand swords that why is it a bad thing that your quarterback can advance the ball down the field in any way shape or form why is it a bad thing i don't understand why it's a bad thing yeah like that Uh, that run he had that touchdown run was one of the best runs that i've seen maybe ever it was insane ask for sure the way just the speed it was incredible Alex Reno in the chat says only acceptable if you call Mitch a running back. That's Mick. true. He, he's now Mick for the rest oh, yeah, of the time Mick, here. Mick's Mick Tr- Trubisky. <laughs> Trubisky. We're gonna pull that on. The, we're gonna pull that on our Bears friends when they come on to the podcast here this time in the uh, in the summer. Um, real quick on the way out, I am going to read on the podcast a uh, 
a message from our Twitch chat from How Am I Not Myself. Uh, how disappointed do the Steelers have to be? Start 11-0, then finish 12-4 and and a first-round exit. Uh, I don't know how ex- how disappointed the Steelers have to be with that, but I will say if that happened with the Lions, I think we would all, like, everyone would be screaming for blood, right? <laughs> Probably. I mean, if it were to happen next year, no, because we no, we, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, you've had a, if if this let's let's say this happened in the middle of I don't but know don't, the, the the Jim Caldwell years. But don't you think like the Steelers are, would be screaming even louder? I, I'm starting to see people question Mike Tomlin. No, I, I agree. No, no, no. That, that That's that's the point I'm trying to make is like because I think some people will be like you know, for the Steelers. Oh, you know, it's it's fine. You'll be back here again. Like, I don't know, man. That was a brutal collapse. That was an absolutely epic, brutal collapse to to like, you know, you start 11 and 0. people are wondering if they're going to go undefeated. Then you you lose to Washington, you lose to the Bengals. And then guess what? You you lose twice, two weeks in a row to the Browns and you get bounced out of the playoffs after allowing 28 unanswered points in the first half. Nothing else to I'm sorry, in the first quarter, I should say. I said first half. Uh, yeah, nothing else to say here. I think we're going to wrap it up here. I know we've got more work to do. I think this time next week, uh, Jeremy will probably be. Hopefully we'll see some news with the Lions. It's kind of getting tiring to just kind of sit here in a holding pattern watching them do interviews. But yeah, if I had to make a guess, I would say GM interview either comes late this week or early next week. And then head coaching comes shortly thereafter. So if not next week on the podcast, I think uh, the week after we'll, we'll actually have some, a candidate that, that is no longer a candidate, but a hire. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's when the off season fund's going to really start. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of other teams are going to start moving really fast too. So we're going to wrap it up here. Please download the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, get it where you can catch the replays live. Uh, I mean, catch the replays on YouTube and Twitch, subscribe to either one of those and get alert and turn on your notifications to get alerts when we go live. Cause we do this all live with some talk with you guys in between segments on those things. And yes, yeah, so you can watch Jeremy put on the macho man costume. I can't guarantee he'll oh, do it yeah. next week for me, for Ryan, for Jeremy, this has been POD cast and we are going to see you star side. Oh yeah. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.